small things make a big difference. It's now business legend that in the 1980s, Robert Crandall, who at the time was the head of American Airlines, was looking for cost-cutting opportunities. And he realized that if he removed just one olive from every single salad that was served to passengers in first class, nobody would notice and the airline would save $40,000 a year. Many people have calculated that the real savings was actually closer to $100,000 a year. In 1987, Northwest Airlines conducted a similar experiment. They decided to cut limes into 16 pieces for its drink service rather than 10 pieces, and they saved $500,000. United Airlines recently got on board and they got rid of the refresher towels and the short journeys. You know, the ones that you wipe your face with after you wake up? And they decreased their in-flight videos as well as removing grapefruit juice from their menu because they realized people liked orange juice a lot better. These changes, along with a few other really small tweaks, saved them $200 million. And it is not just the airlines that have discovered that small things make a big difference, especially over time. The folks over at Xerox realized that if they charged a quarter for every cup of coffee, instead of just making coffee available to the office, they could actually save a coworker's job. Not only that, but they realized that if they asked employees to start an adopt a plant program, asking employees to take turns watering plants in the office, they would be able to save $200,000 a year on watering services. Whether it's vacuuming doormats instead of sending them out for cleaning or adjusting garnishes on salads, these companies have realized in some really big ways that small things done over time make a really big difference. Today, we'll be looking at three parables that remind us of not just the importance, but the true power of small things, and how something small and hidden, nurtured over time, could contain power that, when we cultivate it, could change eternity forever. Turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter four, and imagine yourself at the lake, sitting looking at Jesus as he's anchored in the boat in shallow water, saying these words. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came up and ate it up. Some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. This is a familiar parable, but not one to take lightly because it's known as the parable of parables, the key to the entire system of parabolic teaching. And Jesus begins this parable by saying, listen. It's not a word to ignore. It tells us that the parable's meaning is not self-evident and that it will require spiritual discernment to understand. Alan Cole, a commentator, says that the constant peril for us that we face is to apply God's words to others before applying it to ourselves. But to apply it to ourselves, we have to listen, not just to the words, but to the Holy Spirit. Listening is a challenge in our world because there are so many distractions. Whether we're watching TV while also trying to tweet and to text, 
or when we're just thinking about something that just seems so much more important than whatever someone is saying to us at the moment, it's hard to listen. And in the face of so many screens and appointments and worries that tug at our attention, we may actually not even know what it means to be present today. Author Trevor Hudson, who wrote A Mile in My Shoes, Cultivating Compassion, says, being present involves letting go of our current preoccupations, immersing ourselves in the here and now, and giving ourselves wholeheartedly to whatever is at hand. It means being alert, awake to the fullness of the immediate moment. Listening may not seem like that big of a deal, but if you've ever been in a relationship with someone who over time just shows you that you don't matter because they can never sit still and be present, you know the damage that that can cause. And conversely, if you've ever been in a relationship with someone who is skilled at being present and listening and caring, you know how deeply meaningful that relationship can be, especially over time, because small things make a big difference. And this kind of presence, this kind of immersion in the present moment is the kind of relationship that Jesus extended to his audience then and to you and to me now. The reason why Jesus encourages his hearers to truly listen is because it is so important that for the first and only time, Jesus himself explains this parable to the disciples. And this is what he says. He says in the book of Mark chapter four, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some a hundred times what was sown. It's important to note that this parable is not about good or bad farmers. The farmer is generous and he scatters the seed everywhere. It's also not about good or bad seeds. The seeds are small, but they represent the big picture of God's kingdom and his desire to redeem you and to redeem me. His invitation to us to experience transformation by the power of his spirit. This parable is about the soil. And author John Ortberg says that the word soil could easily be replaced with the word soul. This isn't just a story about dirt. It's a story about hardened souls, shallow souls, cluttered souls, and receptive souls. The first type of soil or soul that Jesus describes is the hardened soul. In the Middle East, the seed was sometimes sown first when a, when a field was planted and the field was plowed afterwards. Roads and pathways went directly through main fields and people would often walk on these roads and the foot traffic made these paths way too hard for the seeds to ever take root. Those poor seeds that fell on the path never had a chance. The path was too hard and too dry. And our hearts can get that way too. 
we can also form protective shells around our hearts in response to hurt, in response to disappointment, and in response to betrayal. Our hard hearts can look like cynicism, bitterness, and resentment. We put up walls to protect ourselves from being hurt again. And in doing so, we harden ourselves not only against others, but also without realizing it, and sometimes even without caring. We also harden ourselves against the Holy Spirit. Our hearts don't get hard all at once, though. It's a series of small decisions made over time. Choices to cling to unforgiveness, the choice to shut our hearts to others rather than be hurt or embarrassed or disappointed again. John Ortberg points out that often, underneath the hardness of heart, underneath soil or souls that have become hard, is fear. Fear of being rejected, fear of looking foolish, the fear of being hurt, the fear of broken pride. This fear hardens our soul and it leaves no room for God. And before we know it, it's our hearts that are too hard to receive the seeds of God's word and God's kingdom. But I was walking outside the steps outside my house recently when I noticed something. Our stairs are made of slate, which is obviously much harder than a dirt path. But as I looked closely, I saw something that made me smile. There's a tree growing in a crack in my steps. A tree growing in the middle of slate steps. It reminded me that it takes just a tiny bit of softness in the soil, just a crack in the hard heart to give the seed of God's kingdom a chance. The seed is strong stronger than we can imagine. One tiny seed can break up a sidewalk or all of my slate stairs if it can find just a little bit of room to breathe. And it matters to give the seed some room because that small thing, that seed, it represents the kingdom of God in our lives. It represents all of the plans that God has for us and the words he wants to speak to us. And even if we are those who have the hardened hearts, this reminds me that it takes just a crack to receive God. And it's the smallest acts of sacrifice and self-denial that can begin to break up hard soil. This is part of why fasting can be so important. Fasting moves ourself aside to make room for God. Acts of sacrificing our comfort or convenience for others, the decision to allow ourselves to be vulnerable, intentionally making space for God and for other people, despite the fact that we may have been hurt in the past, these things can break up hard soil or hard souls, and it can make room for the kingdom of God. These small choices made daily over time can make a really big difference. Small things make a big difference. In John Ortberg's words, the hardened soul is more vulnerable to being saved than it knows. The second type of seed falls on rocky soil not on rocks themselves. Often we think that the seeds fell on rocks, but falling on rocky soil actually refers to a layer of topsoil that has solid rock underneath it. There is soil, there's topsoil, but it's shallow. When my husband and I lived in Michigan, I decided to start a garden. So I started some seeds in my house. The problem is I didn't give them enough sunlight. So my seeds sprouted and they grew tall extremely quickly. They became these long, leggy seedlings in an attempt to reach up for sunlight. The problem is they grew tall without growing deep. 
When it came time to transplant them, when I put them outside and they encountered some sun and some wind and some rain, they died. They died really fast because they just didn't have the root system to support them. And it's possible for us as believers to be like these seedlings, to look on the outside like we have it all together, to be standing tall as if we're strong, but to actually be living with shallow souls. As Richard Foster puts it, he says superficiality is the curse of our age. Most of our lives are actually lived in the shallows. And we know this, we know when we're living in this place because our interests and our thoughts primarily center around ourselves. And that's just not how we're meant to be. Deep souls understand and empathize deeply with other people. They notice and they question. They don't just go through the motions. But it's so easy for us to just go through the motions, especially in a distracted age. But our soil, our soul is tested when the sun comes out, when challenges arise. A shallow soul withers away when life gets difficult. But a deep soul gets deeper when life gets difficult. That's how we know where we are. In the early 1980s, scientists conducted a great experiment in the desert called the biodome. It was an exercise to create the perfect living environment for human beings, plants, and animals. They created this huge glass dome, and within it, they created an artificial, controlled environment with purified air and water, filtered light, everything to create the perfect growing conditions for trees and fruit and people. They had people live inside this biodome for months at a time, and it was amazing because everything seemed to do really well. Life thrived, people were healthy, with one exception. When the trees that were planted over time grew to be a certain height, they always, without exception, fell over. Scientists were confused about this for the longest time until one day they realized the one natural element they forgot to recreate in the biodome. It was wind. Trees needed wind to blow against them, which in turn caused their root systems to grow deeper into the soil. In turn, these root systems supported the trees as they grew taller. Without growing deep, they couldn't grow tall. As I'm sure you heard, the taller that a tree gets, the deeper its roots have to be to support them. I've even heard that as tall as a tree is, that's how deep its roots are. And the very edge of its branches are the very edge of how their roots spread out. Without this root system, like the trees in the biodome or like my poor tomato plants in Michigan, they'll die. And the truth is without deep roots, our souls die too. The challenge is we can't see roots and it's really hard to invest in something that goes unseen by others. Others can see our accomplishments, they can see what we look like on the outside, they can see our good deeds. But only God can see our roots, at least until the difficulties come and our lives reveal whether we are the shallow soil or if we are deeply rooted. So how do we grow deep roots? Like breaking up a hardened heart, growing deeper is a small thing. It's something that is done daily with little decisions, but it's a small thing that makes a big difference. What we need to do is let in the wind. We need to embrace discomfort. Rather than running from discomfort, from the hard conversations, from the painful things, from the tension in our hearts, from the storms, rather than running to numbing ourselves with entertainment or food 
or work or fun experiences, wherever it is that we run, when we are uncomfortable, when the wind and the storms in our lives comes to us, in order to make space for God, we need to allow ourselves to be present in the difficult things, to embrace God's promise in Isaiah that he is with us in the deep waters, in the river, and in the fire. We turn to God, our source, and deepen our roots in the truth of who God is and who we are in him. We make these small choices to lean in rather than to run away, and over time, this small thing will make a big difference. As John Ortberg also says, the shallow soul is closer to being saved than it knows. It's very difficult to see a tree's roots. We rarely can get a full picture of what that looks like. But I pass something every time I take a walk in the morning that reminds me of the wonder of roots. The tree I pass every morning was cut down long ago. But as you can see, though its trunk was cut down, it was impossible to get rid of the roots. This extensive root system is an amazing reminder to me because it actually goes into the asphalt. It reminds me how strong roots can be when we develop them over time. I don't know how many storms this tree went through before it was cut down. I don't even know how long it's been since it was cut down. But even though the trunk is gone, the roots are still there. What was below ground is so strong, it remains. It reminds me every day that what starts small, a seed, over time can grow incredible, lasting roots. Small things can really make a big difference. The next type of soil, or soul, is the cluttered soul. Here, the seed, which is God's revealed word to us, his kingdom, falls among thorns. Jesus says that these thorns represent the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things that come in and choke the word, or the seed, making it unfruitful. This kind of soul, the crowded and cluttered soul, is the one that we are so prone to in our context and culture. Ray Ortland illustrates this reality with the image of our heart as a boardroom. He says, imagine a big table, leather chairs, bottled water, whiteboard, a committee around the table with our social selves, our private selves, our world self, our recreational self, our childhood memory self, and all of ourselves are arguing and debating. They're agitated and upset. They can never come to a unanimous decision. And to that committee, we invite Jesus, not to be in charge of it, but to have a seat at the table, to have a vote to. We let him make his case and we let the rest of us decide if we're for or against it. He's just one influence among the other voices. This illustration reminds us that the voices of our hearts will choke out God's word if we don't let God, if we don't let the voice of the Holy Spirit be first place in our lives. Jesus doesn't invite us to follow him and let him be one voice in our committee of voices but to let him be first. Anything else is just clutter. But just as small things can add up to too much, a small change can make a big difference too. If we find that our lives are overcrowded, and I think about this for myself too, we are invited today to make room. Even a tiny, uncluttered space can be the space that God needs to plant the seed of his kingdom in our hearts. Making that space intentionally every day for time with God, for investing in spiritual relationships and in conversations, for investing in the practice of stillness 
actually begins to clear away some of that clutter. It begins to remove some of the thorns that choke out the seeds of God's kingdom. James Hamilton tells the story of a man who worked in an ice house who lost a valuable watch. He searched diligently for this watch. He raked carefully through the sawdust, looking everywhere for it, but he didn't find it. So he asked his friends, his fellow workers, also to look, but they couldn't find the watch either. But a small boy who had heard about the search decided to slip into the ice house at noon when everyone was having lunch. And in a few minutes, he came out holding the watch. The men were shocked, so they asked him, how did you find this watch when we looked everywhere and we couldn't find it? And the boy said something very simple. He said, I closed the door, I laid down in the sawdust, and I kept very still. Soon, I heard the watch ticking. It's easy for you and for me to believe that God doesn't speak or that we can't hear his voice. But the question actually isn't whether God will speak, but whether we will make space to hear him. The cluttered soul is also closer to receiving the kingdom of God than it could ever know. The final type of soil is the good soil, the soil that has been broken of its hardness. The soil or the soul that has allowed God to create depth in it, who has leaned into the discomfort, has cleared away the clutter, who has said no to things other than what God has said to do. This soul is ready to receive God. It receives what God gives and multiplies it. This kind of soil or soul produces seeds even a hundredfold more than it was given. This soul expands the kingdom of God. And just to pause, in case we think that this parable is about salvation, about accepting salvation, it's not just about that. We're not safe and the good soil just because we have accepted Jesus. This parable actually teaches us what spiritual growth is like, what it's like to grow in the kingdom of God. It's not one time receiving the seed and nurturing it, but a process of continuing to grow. The more that we accept and receive God's words through the Holy Spirit, the more we grow. And the more we resist it, the less capacity that we have to receive the kingdom of God in our lives. This parable is so important because it unlocks the important lessons in the parables that follow in Mark 4. The following parables, which are explained by this one, teach us that the seeds of God's kingdom are small, but they're mighty. They grow slowly, even invisibly in our hearts before anyone ever sees them. But over time, as they're cultivated, as hardness and shallowness and busyness and clutter are resisted in our lives, they draw close the kingdom of God. It starts with the parable of the sower, which shows us that life is so much more than just this present moment. It reminds us that small things make a big difference. Seeds are so small that you can actually crush them in your hands. In the same way, the seeds of God's kingdom can seem so small when they're planted in our hearts. They're so small that they almost look unimportant. It's so easy for us to ignore them. When we hear God's word through a person who's speaking to us in conversation, when we read his scripture and the Holy Spirit makes the word jump out at the page to us, it may seem like a small thing, but we don't know what God will do with it. That's why scripture tells us not to despise the day of small beginning because God rejoices to see what happens in our lives. So two assurances, God's kingdom will grow and God's kingdom is already growing in you. Every day we have the opportunity to say yes to God, 
to take a small step in faith. And those small daily choices will add up because small things make a big difference. A small act of self-sacrifice, a small decision to sit with discomfort rather than run from it, a small choice to clear away a corner of our hearts to listen to God, those things make a big difference. I pray today that you and I will hear these parables, that we will listen with all our hearts to what God has to say to us, and that we'll take today's step in faith, because small things make a big difference. In benediction, I'd like to leave you with Jesus' words in Mark chapter 4, verse 24. It's a challenge and an invitation to us. Jesus says, consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. May we measure out to people what we have received in the abundance of God's love to us. Tonight, I'd like to invite you to a prayer vigil for unity and racial injustice. This evening, June 27 at 7 p.m. We're partnering with San Bernardino Community SDA Church for this prayer vigil and would like to invite you to be part of measuring out God's love and care to others in this season. I'd also like to remind you that if you have registered for Vacation Bible School, our kit pickup party is this afternoon from 2 to 5 p.m. So if you have registered, I look forward to seeing you there as we begin our Rocky Railway adventure and we learn that Jesus' power pulls us through.